Let's pray together. And God, now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, fight or flight are well-known body responses in times of stress where hormones are released in our bodies. And it prompts us in those situations to either face something head on and fight for it or to run and flee. And so if I run off the stage this morning, you'll know what my default is. Honestly, that would have happened probably yesterday, uh, more than today. Call weekends are full of a lot of joy and a lot of fun, and there's also a lot of stress involved as well. Fight and flight are just two of the many responses and instincts that we have. A couple of others are to flee, uh, or to freeze, and to fawn. And this is the way our systems are designed to help us survive in these moments of threats or danger or stress. And so if your body responds in a fight mode, you turn aggressively to whatever the threat is and you face it head on. And if something, uh, if you respond with a, a flee response, then you run away from danger. If freeze is the response, your body's motion and almost ability to think and act in, in a, a period of threat, it stops, it freezes. And fawning is when we try to appease someone or a person to avoid any kind of conflict. And so in our lives and in, in a group of people, we all respond in different ways. And sometimes individuals respond in different ways. In one moment of stress, you might freeze. And in another moment of stress, you might come out fighting. And no matter the response, the outcome, the, the goal at the end is always the same. That we avoid some kind of danger, conflict, or stress, and we return to calm and peace and safety. And so you probably know that individuals respond in different ways, but did you know that families do too? And organizations, and even churches, and nations, like the nation of Israel in the time of Jesus. In the passage that Rand read for us today, in this setting, Jesus' primary audience is, the, is the, the people of Israel, a people that were oppressed and under Roman control. And so as he's teaching them, he's, he's addressing these people that are very familiar with captivity. They're very familiar with what it means to be oppressed. And often the questions would arise around tables and at watering holes and at the courtyards about who they were to be and how they were to live as the people of God under Roman rule. And in the first century Judaism, there were different responses. There were some who wanted to fight to overthrow the Roman Empire and take control and let that be the solution to their stress and tension. And there were some that wanted to fawn, who just let's go along with our oppressors and make sure that we don't create more problems. And there were some that wanted to flee. And so they fled to the ghetto areas or even out to the desert to practice and to live out their faith faithfully and to keep the nation of Israel pure away from the world. And we can relate to those stressors and those responses, right? We can understand the frustrations of living under a political or social climate that you don't agree with and you want to change, that you feel tension from. And so sometimes Christians today respond in the same ways. Sometimes we fawn and go along with things. Sometimes we fight and want to overthrow things and set up our own. And then sometimes we retreat 
Sometimes Christians pull away from the world and do everything to not be of the world until they die or till Jesus comes again, whichever comes first. And so to a people there in the audience divided by their responses to the stress and the conflict of the day, Jesus preaches this sermon. He speaks these words to them. And Jesus confronted first the the fight response and a few verses later in Matthew, the same chapter, by saying that you are to love your enemy, not hate them. That you're to pray for your enemies, not resist them. And then in our passage today, Jesus confronts the fleeing response. He confronts this idea by teaching Israel that they're not to withdraw from the world, but that they are to shine their light and not hide it under a basket or a bushel. Instead of fighting or fleeing, Israel was to be faithful. They just had to be who they were. And who were they? Well, Jesus says, y'all are the salt of the earth. And I say y'all because that you in the original means means you all together, the community, the people of God. Y'all are the salt of the earth. You all are the light of the world. And, And when he said this, both salt and light were so basic at that time, Jesus really didn't need to explain the metaphors to them. I mean, salt was everything. Salt preserved food. Salt was used in wounds. Salt was used as payment to Roman soldiers. Salt was required in some offerings brought to, the, to sacrifices that are brought by the faithful. It was a part of everyday life. And Jesus says, I want you to be like this. I want you to be present. I want you to be authentic. I want you to be flavorful and faithful. I don't want you to flee, and I don't want you to fight. Be who you are authentically made to be, the people of God. And Jesus says, as you exhibit the love and the character of God in all your daily activity and your comings and your goings and how you show up with people and how you deal with people and you deal with your oppressors, God will be known and God will be glorified. They were to be authentic and flavorful and also visible. Now on this fifth Sunday after the Epiphany, which is church language, I know, it's like a church calendar. It's a season where we really focus on light. And begins in Advent as we think about God as the creator of life, light. And Jesus is the light who comes into the darkness. And now we, with all of our issues, we are the light of the world. And we carry that light forward. Jesus says we are to be those people. And no one that after lighting a lamp would ever have thought to put it under a basket or a clay pot. That would have made no sense at all. It would have been a waste of precious oil and light. Instead, You are to be the light of the world set up on a lampstand that brings light to the entire room and to shine. Like a city on a hill, his followers were to shine as these beacons of grace and goodness to the world around them, beacons of hope. Jesus wanted his disciples' faithful living to be authentic, to be flavorful, to work into the community, to be visible, and do all of this for the glory of God and the good of the world. Jesus wants us to be who we are, the salt of the earth, the light of the world, regardless of circumstances around us. Here's the thing about salt and light. They don't really exist for themselves. I'm guessing you've never just taken a spoonful of salt. It would be not a pleasant experience. And light is meant to be shared. Both of these things make the world better and enriched around us. 
And so Jesus says, I have created you for a purpose to be useful and to be poured out. And Jesus says that we are the activity of God in the world, adding flavor and illumination in the areas that are dark so that God is glorified and people will see the goodness of God. A while back, uh, someone asked the preacher and writer Eugene Peterson what he would say if he wrote what he knew would be his very last sermon. And he replied, I I think I would want to talk about the things that are immediate and ordinary. In the kind of world that we live in, the primary way that I can get people to be aware of God is to say, who are you going to breakfast with and how will you treat that person? Peterson suggests that we stop thinking about being a Christian, about meaning that only in certain religious contexts but that actually we need to pay attention to people around us in our everyday world and then think about ways that we help them that brings glory to God, that reveals the goodness in our world. And he said, in my last sermon, I guess I'd wanna say, go home and be good to your spouse. Treat your children with respect. Do a good job at work that we need to be salt and light in the everyday real world, which involves authentically being present with others, listening to them, being concerned with what keeps them up at night, being compassionate, and treating them as the little images of God that they are. Peterson, who wrote the message Translation of Scripture, translates verses 15 through 16 of our passage today in this manner. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. I want to share with you some of the things I've heard in the last month from members of First Baptist Church. And I'm not sharing them to brag about our church. I'm sharing them to aspire us, that we are salt in the earth and light of the world, not for our good and benefit, but for the glory of God. I had one member who told me that every time he's gone to go serve somewhere in Jefferson City, when he gets there, there's already somebody from First Baptist serving. He said, this church is everywhere. Another member wrote me this note. I'm discovering all the quiet ways so many are ministering and willing to minister. It's just blowing me away. God is at work among us, enabling the church to be the church. The spirit is blowing, quiet and gentle, and we are beholding his glory in each other. Jesus is beautiful. And in a recent discussion at our Friday morning's uh, men's prayer group, the discussion focused on some who were helping uh, with the unhoused in our community, some who were helping clean up and, and fix up the home of a member who was ill, And discussion turned to a recent news story about how our church partnered with other churches in helping to resettle Afghan refugees here in our community, now our neighbors and friends. And someone remarked, things are moving. And in the last five weeks, I've officiated four funerals for our church family. And at every one of those visitations and funerals, First Baptist members were there. They were the beacons of light and the darkness of those grieving days for those families. Friends, these are just a few from the last month. And don't begin to even cover all the ways that this congregation is salt of the earth and light to the world. 
And you don't show up in these ways for any kind of recognition or reward. You do it because you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. You do it because you love God and you walk in the ways of Jesus. And in doing that, you do things for the glory of God and the good of the world. Instead of fighting and instead of fleeing, Jesus invites us to be faithful, engaging our world and reflecting the goodness of God. That when people cross our paths as we live this out, they will taste and they will see the goodness of God. Pastor Mary Alice Birdwhistle uh, reflected once on a dream she had at Advent a few years ago at her church. And she really wanted to, to help them reflect on being the light of the world. And so she had this idea. And you should always be wary when pastors have ideas. Uh, we don't always think through execution very well. And so on that first Sunday of Advent, Mary Alice, um, her plan was at the end of the service to take a candle, light it from the Advent wreath, and then walk down the aisle to exit while she gave the benediction so that the church would remember that we are going to be the light out into the world. So at the end of the first service of that Sunday of Advent, she went down and went to the Advent wreath and she realized, I don't have a free hand to light and carry a candle. She had her Bible, her worship folder and things in one hand. She had a microphone in the other. And she said at that moment, I had to make a decision. I realized I needed to let go of something. I needed to set something down in order to carry the light. And so she, she figured that out. And so after that, she took the microphone and now the lit candle, and she walked briskly down the aisle to exit the sanctuary. And about halfway down, she realized she's walking so fast that she's almost extinguishing the flame of the candle. So she abruptly slows down. And she said, if the congregation didn't notice my pause trying to figure out how to pick up the candle, they most certainly noticed me abruptly slowing down. And the looks they gave me were like, Pastor Mary Alice, if you don't hurry this up, the Methodists are gonna beat us to lunch. And Mary Alice said in those 60 seconds of trying to figure out how to carry the light, she realized that this would be true for her church as well, if they're going to carry the light beyond these church walls. That there are things that we're going to have to set down. There'll be things that we have to give up in order to tend to the light within us and to bring it into the world. And that there are things that we're gonna have to do about slowing down, and walking with more intention if we wanna nurture the flame within us. And friends, I don't know exactly how you will do that. We'll all do that differently. But I can say that tending to the light within you is the most important work you will do as light bearers. The most important work. And to not tend to that light is to do and make a choice to cover that light with a bushel and not shine as you were made to shine. Friends, I don't know exactly what you'll do, how you're gonna shake your salt, how you're going to bring light into the world, but I do know however you do that, and wherever you do that, you will make the goodness of God known, and you will bring glory to him. You all are the salt of the earth. Y'all are the light of the world. 
for God's glory and for the good of others. Amen. In a moment, the music will play and you will be invited to come to the table to share in the Lord's meal, Christ's meal. And we want to give you a few instructions before we move to the table. Um, Today, we are inviting you to come to the front. If you are able to do that, while the, the men sing, we invite you to come down these aisles. You can come to each table. You'll receive the bread and the cup. You may eat and drink those here at the table and dispose of the cups next to it. Or you may take those back to your seat if you wish to have more time to reflect and share in that meal at your own pace. If you're not able, or you would prefer to have the elements brought to you, if you'll just raise your hand, one of our deacons will bring that to you in the floor or in the balcony. When Jesus gathered with the people on the, on the crowds, on the hillsides, he had compassion on them. He looked out at them and, and his heart hurt for them and he wanted to feed them and he commanded his disciples to do that. And so Jesus took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it and he shared it with them. And Jesus does the same with us today. He gathers us together, invites us to share in his meal together. He calls us to be compassionate. He calls us to be salt of the earth and light of the world. And so today, as we come to the table, we remember Jesus. We remember that the risen Christ is with us and working through us, that he is the light of the world, and that we are in obedience to him, continue to live out his command, that we believe he is with us, and we come to the meal to remember that and to go to be the people of God. Will you pray with me? God, as we prepare our hearts to come to this meal and to remember Christ, to remember Christ's body broken for us, Christ's blood shed for us, we come first to confess our sins, to confess there's times we have done and not done what we should do, that we have not been always salt of the earth and light of the world. And we ask your forgiveness. We ask that we can set that in front of you before we come to the table, God, and know that you hear that and you receive that genuine forgiveness. And God, as we come to the table, we pray that the Spirit will help us to know and to realize your presence here with us, that we truly are salt of the earth and light of the world because of Christ. And may we come away from this meal ready to continue to glorify God and to make God known. We pray this in the name of the risen Christ. Amen.